0: Welcome back to your 12 questions, 30 minutes. I'm Mike Salitro, your host, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of only 12 questions and ideally under 30 minutes. This week, we are joined by Alvin Darcy. We are thrilled to have Alvin here as he helps retail business owners improve their cash flow and profit. His philosophy is simple, visibility, cash, profit. When you have the visibility of the numbers in your business, you can start to flush your bank account with cash and start to drive profit. These are the fundamentals for any business to rapidly become the vehicle to provide the lifestyle that you want. Alvin, welcome, we are thrilled to have you this week.
1: Thank you, Mike, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: As am I, and I, I wanna start with that three-word philosophy. How did you uh, how did you figure out that that's what businesses need and what people want, ultimately?
1: Yeah. So. I'm really original. I didn't figure it out. It was <laughs> it was what my business coaches and my mentors were telling me from day zero. Um, when I first got into business, um, I was really young. I had no idea. I was trained as a pharmacist, so you know I'm like a clinician uh, and I had no idea about running businesses. but because I was young, uh, I was really excited to, you know to really, go with the bang and start making lots of money as you do when you were a kid, right? So, and I was really okay with getting help. So that's when I sought uh, my first business coach. Um, But basically I found that from what the business coaches and mentors told me was that a lot of businesses and business owners kind of forget the fundamentals. And so, you know, every business coach I work with went back to the fundamentals. And so basically, you know, I've gone back and said, if i was starting out again this is the kind of order i would like it in you know so it would have been super super easy for me so hence we came up with i came up with understanding the visibility of the numbers in your business then we work on flushing your bank account with cash and then really try to drive profit
0: very nice and i think it's rare that somebody who describes himself as young in business is open to mentoring open to coaching open to feedback um do you Was that always your approach? Was there any good advice that you thought you might have taken earlier? Or what did that look like when you first started?
1: Yeah, when I first started my business? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, I guess I was always the guy that was getting help. Uh, I really struggled a little bit through high school, you know, and um, I, you know, my parents were were great enough that I actually had a little bit of a tutor for a few uh, instances there, mainly with maths and that kind of thing. So I always understood that if i wanted to hack the curve very quickly i could get help and then so you know i was 27 years old like i said i was young uh, i wanted to make a whole heap of money really really quickly so I, I had no problem seeking help because i knew i could just do whatever they would tell me and i have so yeah i guess it's it's something that was instilled in me as a young age and um i was i had really no issue with it but I do understand there's a lot of business owners, a lot of people are kind of reluctant to get a little bit of help. Um, but I guess I was fortunate in that respect.
0: Okay. And that, that's, that, that's a very good answer, especially the way <laughs> you describe it as, as hacking it, that you understand yes. that to get ahead. To, and I think that's a hard lesson or not as always a clear lesson. So mm. uh, that's wonderful that you put it to use at a young age. Yes. Um, I, I want to start with... Uh, go to visibility in your uh, three word philosophy. I think it's important for probably 90% of not more businesses to have visibility, but there's a lot of different ways to get it. How do you simplify it for your clients?
1: Yes. And that's a key thing, right? So what I talk about is really fundamental to all businesses, but I just kind of reach it to niche it to retail because that's my jam. But basically you're right. A lot of business owners tend to overcomplicate the visibility side. And when I talk about visibility of the numbers in our business, I talk about a few key metrics. And basically that's sort of, not sort of, but it's understanding our cash flow, our margins, and also trying to develop a key, you know, a, a really good set of KPIs or key performance indicators that will allow us to drive our business forward. So, you know, I think just by keeping it really simple in those three major areas, every business owner can get a better understanding of their business without overcomplicating it.
0: I like that you tie in the, the cash flow and the revenue piece, uh, because I know it can be uh, difficult or a the wrong path to look at when you consider eyeballs, leads, engagement, especially for businesses that have an online component when there isn't that backend cash or there isn't actually a customer or buyer. So uh, do you get any pushback of, well, we've got a big following here or this has worked in the past or, uh, you know, I think we're doing okay. When, when, when you come to the conclusion that more or better visibility is needed, what, what are your clients telling you?
1: absolutely there is always a lot of pushback like everybody thinks they know the numbers in their business but you know when, when you really ask them like what is your free cash flow?" like they're like oh i don't know my accountant tells me that perhaps every quarter or your bookkeeper tells you every month and you know when most people are coming to me and the clients i work with they are usually more often than not in a little bit of trouble right they're in a little bit of a cash flow situation or a profit situation and um you know we need to start fixing them from there But um, yeah, I think what what happens is we, as business owners, they tend to, we tend to overcomplicate things. And like you mentioned earlier, there's a whole heap of metrics out there. And there's a lot, there's so much more sexier stuff to be doing in your business. Like doing those leads that you're trying to chase, you know, implementing or using the next marketing system or whatever what Guru says. And you know, that happened to me as well. And I think it happens to a lot of people. We just get distracted. And then we're running from initiative to initiative or one marketing strategy to another. And even when we're doing that, we don't even know if it's working because we've got no way of knowing it's working because we've got no visibility. So we kind of get bored after two weeks and try another strategy. So it's just a circle that goes around. <laughs> Happens all the time. So
0: how how does a pharmacist get into the uh, the space of consulting other retail businesses? Because I, I, I do think they are different skill sets but as you talk about it you clearly have uh, have honed in have honed in the uh, the path and ability to help others
1: yeah really good question right so like i said i studied pharmacy i i still am a pharmacist i'm a clinician if you will um but i think because i got help very early on from coaches and mentors and eventually what i what i really enjoyed out of running those businesses was buying and selling and the component of buying and selling as you know is to rapidly grow your business grow your profitability sell it at a really good price and then you know rinse and repeat so i did that a few times so last year pandemic i was living in melbourne australia uh, which at that time was the number one location in the world with the strictest strictest lockdowns right so basically you couldn't leave the house for more than i think it was an hour a day at the time you couldn't travel more than a a two-kilometer radius at one stage, which I think is one point something miles where you are. Um, so it just really, really sucked. And my wife is from Germany, um, and you know we just decided like you know let's let's get the hell out of here. So one of the great things for me because my businesses were already set up and you know everything was in order, it was really easy for me to sell. It was a great time to sell because pharmacies were really good business because of the pandemic. You know in australia anyway it was one of the few businesses that were allowed to continue to trade during the lockdowns because we were an essential service um so it was it was happy days so my wife quit her job I, and i put the business on the market sold it very easily so when i sold the business i was working with a coach at the time because i've always worked with a coach and my coach was glenn and he was like alvin what are you going to do and i was like i don't know i'm going to go to germany Am i might buy an online business i'm not really sure and he impressed upon me he goes he told me like, you know, you're a really good client, you, you take action. And you know, you can talk a little bit. And I think you'll be really good at helping other people do the same. And I, and I kind of brushed him off. A month later, I was saying my, you know, met, met up with him again. And I gave further thought to what he was saying. And I was, you know, so I decided to go down this road, really, because it fills a lot of my values. I love helping people. I love hanging out with business, talking business and doing this kind of thing. And yeah, you know, I can really help somebody get them out of a cash flow and a profit crunch um, and help them accelerate their business. So that was the decision to do that.
0: This episode of Your 1230 is brought to you by Accomplished RE, helping real estate agents achieve time, location, and financial freedom. Uh, a lot there that I want to follow up on. Okay. Uh, first, uh, moving countries over the last yeah. couple of years, moving continents. Uh, mm. How was that a difficult process? Was that easy? It, you know, Having a, a German uh, resident or citizen in the household probably helps. But what, what was that like? Actually, what was yeah. what did that look like?
1: Oh, my God. So Australia was locked down, right? Melbourne, especially, was locked down. So before we could leave, my amazing wife had to do a truckload of paperwork. So basically we had to submit to the government an exemption to leave the country to, to get permission. We had to show that we had sufficient savings, that we weren't going to rely on the Australian government. We had to provide reasons why we were moving overseas. So thankfully my wife is awesome. She ticks all the boxes. So within the first submission, we, we got the approval uh, and we flew over. So it was really interesting on the night that we flew over, there were only two flights that day in the evening flight, the first flight, from Melbourne to, I think we went through the Middle East somewhere, Qatar or something. Um, There were only eight people on the plane. Like they literally just opened up the airport for us. It was hilarious. It was a great experience, but um, that's how we got out of the country. (laughs) Okay. And uh,
0: I I guess just to clarify, the paperwork is for Australia. This was not to enter, Jeremy. This was just to leave Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah, This is uh, exactly. This is to leave Australia. Because they weren't letting anybody go unless you had a a super specific reason, you know, and you had evidence to support it and financials to support it. Okay. Uh,
0: So switching back to the second part of that, Hmm. you you mentioned that you've always worked with the coach and that you are coachable and open to help. Uh, What transition have you seen? And I'm sure you saw a lot of it in your business, but now going to the one who was uh, in charge, or at least leading the discussions as a, as a coach or or a consultant, where you're you're helping others who uh, are looking to you for your experiences, your wisdom your your way forward
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so what am I finding? yeah, absolutely so i'm finding there's two things I'm finding. I'm finding that people come to me when they're in trouble, um, and I'm also finding people who want to improve themselves in either case, my opening discussion, you know sort of revolves around cash flow and, and my three-way method but what really surprises everyone is one of the first times that we work together and when we start to go deep in that discovery phase is to get them to you know I start asking them about their vision and their mindset and what they really want out of life and you know a lot of the times they come to me you know I get this push by saying why are we having this discussion like you know just help me with my cash flow already and uh, So that's one of the biggest surprises that everybody has. But, you know, for me, and as I've always been shown and taught, and this is like ubiquitous if you talk to most business people out there, if you don't have a vision for your life and, you know, something that you're striving towards, um, something that you believe in that fulfills you, and once you get to the realization that your business can be the vehicle for this, uh, it really makes it difficult for you to kind of move forward in your business when we start to do all the fun stuff that we need to do, right? Because most business owners, they want to do everything in their business. But when you tell them, you know, let's work on your business. So you could probably, I don't know, do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu a couple of times a week. We can take that extended holiday. Only then does it make sense that you're like, oh, I can see this now, right? I do all this hard work now so I can later on start to enjoy my life. That's the biggest surprise, the mindset piece.
0: Very nice. And I want to get to that for sure. But I want to start with, with what you said at the end there, the working on your business versus working mm. in your business. It, it seems like a lot of the business owners that I've worked with are really skilled and sufficient and talented at working in the business. It's Their business has likely grown out of something they've done or something do they do well. Right. But as far as acting as a business owner or somebody who kind of pulls the strings from outside the business, that's not always the case. Do you have any good examples of how you've helped uh, business owners see that, work through that or become better at that?
1: Absolutely, right. So, you know, we've got to thank our friend Michael Gerber because he was the one of the guys that coined this really well, right? Using the technician in the e-myth. So I've got so many examples, but I guess the general broad principle is um, understanding that, okay, you're a technician, you're working in the business, but really if you want to, fulfill your goals and if I can get you to see what your life's mission or you know some of the other things that you want to experience in life are then you know it's a really good time now to start working on the business and so what does that look like right so basically this is this kind of scares most business owners in the beginning the first thing that we do is we do basically like a like a time dump so we just write down everything that they're doing in a whole week and then we try and understand just every single task that they do and then we try and understand like what excites them, what doesn't excite them, what do you want to do, what, do you, what don't you want to do. And then we look at later on down the track, starting to offload some of these tasks to other people in the team, you know, and you know, mostly I work with retail business owners. So there is a team, but if there wasn't a team, we would start to get people in to help us. So that's, that's the usual process. And then we start working from there. So ultimately as a business owner, You know, you can start working on that fun stuff on this. what I mean by the fun stuff is all that strategic stuff that's going to grow your business and move you away from the day to day.
0: But but Alvin, I'm so busy. I don't (laughs) have time to look for the the strategy. I don't have time to do any of that. What, What what how can you help me with that?
1: Yeah, it's it's really hard. I get it right. I went through the same thing. It is really hard in the beginning because. You're going to have to start thinking about each and every step, each and every thing that you do, because eventually we're going to work towards giving that task or giving that position to somebody else. So how do we go about doing it? Well, we go about doing it very slowly, right? I think this is the thing that scares business owners. And, you know, we often give up because we realize what exactly what you said, like, I don't have the time to do all of this, to sit down and write down what my standard operating procedures should be. Should be. But we just start slowly, let's just start something that's really bugging you or if you don't have anything that's bugging you, let's start with basically your, um, what you're doing day to day in the business and start to set this up slowly. I think we sometimes a lot of times can rush this. So we start slowly. Very nice. And
0: back to I want to circle back to the vision and mindset uh-huh. uh, because it actually doesn't seem to matter what industry I'm talking to folks in, what yep. level of their career, how long they they've been in a certain role doesn't seem to matter. That the importance of having a vision, having the proper mindset, being some and some in tune balance with, with your mind is of utmost importance because. It, even for myself as a, as a young practitioner, I kind of did not value how important that was. And I do yes. feel like each and every day, regardless of where I am, who I'm talking with, uh, that just seems to come up and the value of it is uh, very difficult to calculate. So I just, I'm sure you get pushback on that as well. How do yeah. you walk through, uh,
1: yeah.
0: you know, besides all the things I'm doing in my business, why do I have to work on my mindset? Why do I need a vision forward? Why is that important?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, um, as mainly small business owners, we don't think of this stuff. It's, you know, if you speak, like you said, if you speak to guys that have been in business for, long girls who've been in business for a long time or the or the larger business owners, they've got this thing sorted. So the pushbacks that I get, right, when we start this is is so much fun for me. And it's also very challenging for the business owner because there is not that, you know, It takes me a little while for me to sort of sell the value proposition, like to get somebody to understand that this is actually going to be the driver in your business, your desire to fulfill your life's mission, to really get in touch with what you value, what you really want to do um, and how we do that. Right? We just start off with some basic kind of questions like, you know, and most people, unfortunately, haven't taken the time to think about like what excites me. What are my values? Um, you know, what would I rather? What would I be doing if I didn't have to work? Um, so, all these kind of questions are some of the basic questions that that I tend to work through, get my clients to work through.
0: No, and that, that's another great answer. And I can't remember if we had talked about it before, but Michael Gerber is my—I mm. uh, I say that that book is the uh, the the Bible. It's the great yes. starting point, and really, yes. it answers. Uh, most questions and and kind of points people in the right direction as far as how that's done. And and as you were talking about that, I, I just kind of was laughing to myself thinking the paradox that people often are leaving the corporate world, leaving a job to start a business and they don't always go about it the right way and all they're doing is creating another job for themselves yes. where they are eliminating uh, the benefits and have now just tied themselves up because they've created it wrong. And that was one thing that you've mentioned a couple times as well, that your clients will come to you when there's a problem or when yes. something needs to be fixed. Um, I'm assuming ideally it would be before then for you to get to them. Hardly. But uh, when you do have a problem, come through a client, how do you help acknowledge as a problem identify what it is and then ultimately solve it and move forward what's what's your uh what what is your go-to
1: yeah absolutely so i mean my go-to is based on my like three-prong method of the visibility cash and uh the profit side of things so you know we go through a little bit of a diagnosis i try and understand with them like in a triage sense understand what their cash flow is if they know what their cash flow is um try and understand what their margins are, if they know what what their margins are, and you know, really try and get an understanding of another metric, which I think is really, really important, is their average sale per client. So just by digging around on the surface on those few things, I can really start to get a picture. And I guess the main thing I'm trying to do is get the business owner to realize the picture themselves, like, oh my God, there's something missing here that I need to work out. So you usually go through that in like a triage slash strategy session uh, with the client. Uh, And so that's our first process is just to get a, a, a little bit of a surface understanding about what's going on. And then from there we can really start to, you know, through that diagnosis, we can really start to hone in on what we need to do.
0: I love that answer, especially the average sale, uh, per customer Mm -hmm. or just understanding what that acquisition cost is I just remember being absolutely blown away when I heard whoever can spend the most to gain a client wins and you know I never not only did that not make you know it kind of it was like okay I hadn't thought about it in those terms, nor did I think that that was a competition of any sort. But really, yeah. it's you know if you can afford to spend X for a client and that's outsp- outspending your competition, then you know how do you figure that out? Well, this is what I make per each client, mm-hmm. or what I make per yeah. each call, and then having the uh, visibility into those numbers and then maximizing them. Yeah. Uh, my last question on this front, uh, uh-huh. we've talked about it specifically with the mindset and vision. But I do feel like a lot of the small business consulting and coaching uh, bleeds into personal development, personal mm. issues, and uh, some sort of uh, uh, psychology or uh, sociology. How, how have you seen that kind of work into your business? And what types of, uh, outside of a strong mindset, what types of things can people do to really fortify their, their mind, their personal relationships to have them uh, performing at a peak professional I- level?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. When you come into my orbit, the Alvin Nasi orbit, you know, like we all as a consultant slash coach, you know, different, you resonate with clients, resonate with you, right? As the individual. And when you come into my orbit slash world, you'll start to learn a few things about me. So you'll, you'll start to figure out that um, routines are really important to me. And so is my meditation practice. And so is, uh, and so is my reading practice and you know, going to the gym and working out and all these kind of things. So I think these are the type of people that kind of resonate towards me, you know, because I'm talking uh, this kind of a language. so and so these are things that when the client comes to me they've got some interest or they've heard about it. and this is some things that I do recommend for my clients, it's not all of them, but some of them, and it's more recommendation like, I'm not the guy to teach you how to meditate, but you know, this really works well for me. I practice this particular kind of meditation and you can go and check it out, you know, or I've read this book and you can do this, or I've used the sauna, go check out Rhonda Patrick. So, you know, already the people that get attracted to me have some sort of interest in what I'm doing and my lifestyle. Uh so it makes it really, you know, really easy for me to sort of recommend the things that I'm doing, but yeah, I'm not qualified and nor do I want to be qualified to be going down that psychological route uh, to helping these people. But it's, it's, you know, it's other things you can do as well. Excellent. And
0: I think I know the answer as somebody who uh, celebrates routines, but you mentioned meditation, yes. reading, and gym. Do yes. you, I'm assuming, A, yes, you have those scheduled. Do those happen yes. at the same, same or similar times each day? Or what does that look like to make sure you get that done?
1: 100%. You should ask my wife. She hates it. So Monday to Friday, uh, Monday to Friday, 5.30 a.m., I get up uh, and I practice a particular kind of a style of meditation, I beg your pardon, called Vipassana. Um, That goes, I do that for an hour. I sit here and then I get up and then I either, after my practice, I beg your pardon, and then I either go to the gym, do my workout routine or I go to the sauna and I alternate that Monday to Friday. So I just go different styles. Uh, I come back and I make a, a coffee, so I'm a coffee nut. And you know, most coffee pe- people that are serious about coffee, they have a particular routine about their coffee, and I have the same. So all these little little things help me become present, help me become grounded in the moment. And I don't know, I just find for me having these little routines kind of frees up my day because I've got a little bit of structure, and it just really calms me down. So um, and then so that's my after I make the coffee, I have a shower. Before I open the laptop, I'll read 15 minutes of a business mindset, personal development book before I start work, if you can consider what I do work. Uh, and then I finish off my day with a, a journal. I do uh, a journal every night, every afternoon, night. Um, yeah, and there's a particular process that I follow for that, and it's been working well for me. And, and I do old school writing of my journal, and I've been doing it for like eight years now. So I've got a stack of journals in storage oh, back in Melbourne. Okay.
0: Uh, so i have got a ton of follow-up, but we're coming up on time. Okay. I'm going to ask you about journaling. Do you often go back and read what you've written previously or how, have you, how are you utilizing those previous yep. eight years that are not locked away in storage?
1: Yeah. So I do a version of the morning pages. Uh, have you heard of it? It's by this uh, yeah. author called Julia Cameron, but, but I do it in the evening. And over time, because I've been doing it for so long, I've kind of adapted it. So I have a little bit of a rhythm, my, what, I, what I feel uh, how I use that journal, and Julia says don't read your journals for at least a year or something like that. So yeah, I, I don't touch them for a year, uh, and I just go back and revisit them. And it's really amazing to, you know, read my thoughts and, um, you know, what I've done and what I was seeing and, and feeling at the time. It's just supremely fascinating. So yeah, I go back occasionally.
0: Very nice. Yeah, I was man. gonna ask. I was gonna ask you about uh, what you're reading, but I think much more yeah. interesting here. Tell me about your coffee routine. How? What does it look like? Where do you get? Yeah. Is I'm sure you're uh, grinding your own beans. Tell me all about that.
1: 100. percent Okay. So uh, this is a really good question because last week I was in Milan, Italy, for the World Coffee Championships. Right. So that's how wow. crazy I am. Okay. So I make my coffee uh, Turkish style using a jezve, so which is a particular old school method using a what's called a jesve which is a like a little um soy um cup which is like a, a little cup you put on the stove basically right so yes i grind my beans every morning i weigh out the dose and i put the water in at a certain temperature and i brew it for a certain temperature and i pour it into my special cup uh and i let it sit for about three or four minutes and then i drink it So that's my morning routine. And I usually have, you know, three or four coffees, different types of coffee beans on the go. Very fortunate. You know, I used to live in Melbourne, like one of the coffee capitals of the world. And now in Europe, I've got access to different roasters all over Europe. Um, It's a great hobby, man. I love it. It's like drinking wine in the morning, you know, like I'm smelling it, tasting it, and it's really exciting. Okay.
0: Would you consider yourself a coffee snob?
1: Yeah, so this is the thing. I think everybody considers me a coffee snob. Um, well, not but, everybody. Uh, do
0: you consider yourself a coffee yeah, snob?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, <laughs> I think if I have bad coffee, uh, yeah, 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 I am. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm not judging. I, I am newer <laughs> to the coffee world, so I'm still learning all of these things. You- I'm only five or six years in, so nice. uh, I can- uh, you don't want to ask me that uh, because it, it it may it may involve uh, a a instant cup and and something like that. But uh, <laughs> I I I like your process. I just uh, I'm not there yet. So
1: yeah, Uh oh, it's it's not for everyone. I mean, you know, it'll it'll take because I make two cups of coffee for one for me, and one for my wife, and I hand grind it. So you know, the whole process takes about 15 minutes, which is you know a good chunk of time, especially in the morning if you have to do. Da- you know rush off to work and whatnot but um it's it's part of my morning routine so it's set so
0: (laughs) i i i I love the process i love your routine overall Uh, i i do feel like we've gone pretty deep into your professional background what you do and what you what your routine looks like during the day Um, but tell me something i probably should have asked you that i didn't to uh, find out something interesting about uh about yourself or what you do for fun
1: yeah okay what do i do for fun um I, I mentioned I love the sauna, um, I love going to the gym, uh, and I'm a big reader, but um, I think one of the, the questions that um, maybe we could get to is why did I get into business so early in my career when I was 27 years old? And the reason for that is I went, once I finished university, I went backpacking around the world. Anyway. Uh, Long story short, I got hit by a truck. And yeah, I got hit by a truck in this country called Laos, which is in Southeast Asia. And, um, you know, I, I lost my elbow. It's lying on the road somewhere. Long story short, I had to get flown to Bangkok that night, picked up in an ambulance in Bangkok, operated on the next day, spent two weeks in hospital. Then I got flown back to Australia spent six months at home, another round of surgery just to fix all of this up. But all along when when this was going on, you know, I re- it made me realize like, man, you know, I'm doing nothing with my life. Like I'm just partying and going out and really didn't have any care in the world. So that was a strong impetus for me, a realization that life's really too short and I really got to get going now. So it was that truck.
0: Uh, that's an unforced, you know, a, a terrible, accident uh, circumstance to have that realization but i think the realization and i'll let you say if it was worth it or not is is one that's really important for people to come to and i've seemed to do it again where i've saved the very end of the interview and buried the lead where you've got the most
1: fascinating (laughs)
0: crazy story that we could have got into and now we're now we're up against time uh have you have you recovered fully? Do you uh do you talk about the to that often or? Your elbow looks great for those of us just listening to us. Yeah. Elbow looks great. Couldn't tell.
1: Yeah, so no, I can't extend my um wow. arm, but it doesn't stop me. I can still do push-ups. I can still uh, do bench presses. Um I don't have what's called an olecranon, which is that bony bit, so sometimes when I knock my elbow, it hurts. But other than that, man, it's it's all good. I was very fortunate that I had insurance when I was traveling. And when I was in Laos, uh, as soon as they found out I was an Australian citizen, they hooked me up with a really, really good orthopedic surgeon for, from the military in Bangkok. So that was really cool. So this guy had nice. operated; was always operating on arms and stuff. And he was really, really cool. And he knew what he was doing. So, yeah, I was very fortunate.
0: Very nice. And then last question question outside of this extremely unfortunate traumatic experience while you were backpacking Mm. what was uh your favorite memory favorite place to go first thing that you think of when you think back to the trip of course outside of this incident
1: oh dude so many where do i start um i think for me one that was one of the first times i was in bangkok and you know when you're have you been to bangkok i haven't well if you watch the i think it's the beach um with Leonardo DiCaprio. But anyway, there's a scene there where he goes to Cal San Road, which is where all the young backpackers go. And I remember, you know, coming off the plane, I had my backpack and, you know, I was really young at the time, 23, 24, and no money. So you go to Kausen Road to try and find a hostel to stay in. Okay. And I remember just, you know, walking down this road and there were just people, young people everywhere and there i was trying to figure out where i'm going to stay that night that was such a fun experience i'll tell you what
0: <laughs> and did you have did you find the proper accommodations
1: yeah 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 eventually nice. you know i just went from a few places i had no idea what i was doing like you know they would say a price and i say okay can i look at the room and the room looked good and it had an aircon and a fan i was like okay so i went to the next one and eventually by the third one i just said yeah just give me the room so there you go big.
0: Alvin, where can our listeners find you if they want to contact you or find out more?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I am everywhere. The best place to find me, though, is on LinkedIn and Facebook. Just look me up, Alvin. Use my surname, Nasi. Send me a message. Tell me that you heard me on here with, uh, with Mike, and uh, we can continue the conversation.
0: Awesome. I'll, I'll be sure to post all of those links as well as everything we talked about today. Alvin, this has been a ton of fun. Thank you for uh, joining us.
1: Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for the time.
0: Thank you for sticking around to the end of the podcast. If you've made it this far, you might also be interested in a digital course I recently published. It's on how to market-proof your real estate business for any environment, any conditions, any market. It's uh, about two hours. It's available at the uh, link uh, in the show notes. If you use discount code podcast, it is available at 50% right now. So uh, like I said, if you've made it this far, who knows, you might be uh, interested in that as well. So check that out and we look forward to uh, you coming back next week.